What's up and welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes. I have here a TikTok influencer, social media influencer, which is blown up. And it's so crazy because people don't even know that he's from the Maritimes. They're like, it's going global. Uh, uh, he has a video that has over 19 million views on TikTok. He's also yep. a father. He's known as uh, Tube Daddy. And his real name is uh, Jonathan Kamba. He's also a mortgage broker and he lives in... Yep. Uh, nice to have you here, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the invite. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it, too. So we're going to go with the social media thing and everything that for has sure. happened. But before we even do that, let's 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 start by your upbringing. Uh, like, where did you grow up? What did you do when you were a kid? Things so, like that. <clears throat> uh, so I grew up in France. Uh, I'm, I'm, my background is I'm Congolese. Uh, I'm both I'm from Congolese descent. Both my parents are Congolese. Um, we moved to France in the 90s, uh, shortly after I was born, uh, because uh, uh, the war um, the war started in Congo uh, in the early 90s. So um, we, we moved to France, and I grew up there. Um, <clears throat> like any normal kid, I would say, uh, from, from, you know, immigrant parents, you know, with everything that comes with it. Um, but yeah, I grew up in France, moved to Canada in 08 when I was 18. Um, and I was, I was an athlete most of my life, played basketball, high level basketball, played university, uh, here when I was in Canada, um, I was in, in the system in France as well. Uh, but yeah, um, that's pretty much just a normal, you know, normal childhood with whatever challenges that came with whatever blessing that came with. But yeah, I think the main thing is, you know, moving from Congo to France, France to Canada, and today here I am. So just to give a background for people uh, that hear the podcast, Congo was a country and then there was a civil war and now it's based in two, which is the Democratic Republic of Congo and then there's Congo. Uh, and to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, there was a, there's many tribes and there was a, an issue with those tribes and politically they kind of divided. Uh, one was more socialism, one was more uh, democratic, uh, and they divided into two. Uh, so that I do know that part. Uh, but how long did you last it in Congo? Like when you were just a little kid and then you just flew out to. Like I said, I was, I, I was, a. I think I was probably a few months old. I don't even know if I was if I was a year old. I wow. <laughs> excuse me, because I was born in the nineties. I was born in nineteen ninety, and and uh, I think everything started to developing in eight uh, from in, starting in nineteen eighty nine, if I remember correctly. So before I was even born, issues already were brewing, and uh, the, the the war really uh, exploded. I believe in nineteen ninety one. So I don't think I was one yet um, by the time, by the time we moved. So I didn't, I, I grew up a French kid. Uh, I grew up in France. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. That, make, that makes sense. So what part of France did you go to Paris or? So we were, we were 20 minutes up North of Paris, 30 minutes up North of Paris. So we grew up in a small village. Uh, we didn't grow up in the city. I'm a small town dude. That's why I love it here. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And uh, so 
Um, I I was away from home for a while because I played basketball. Um, so I left home when, when I was 12 and got into the system. And I was in boarding school from 12 until we moved back to Canada. We moved to Canada, per se. Um, so I lived in, you know, different cities, big cities. Um, but we, you know, we we were based out of a small town, a very, very small town. Wow. So you were like a like a basketball prodigy, like you were into because that's what happens when you're like good and when you're good at a sport from an early age, they take you to like places yeah. and that you develop those skills. So yeah. and, uh, and it's kind of it's kind of funny because I know that people when they think about France or Europe, they think about uh, football, but France has a very and Spain has a very big basketball community. That's a big yeah. thing there. Yeah. Yeah. No, not only big basketball community. So there's a big difference in Europe and here when it comes to sports. Here, sports are tied with uh, high schools and, 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 you know, school districts and stuff like that. In France, it's clubs, right? So it's not tied. Uh, so the way it, it works is a little different here. They care about, like, at the clubs, although they care about, you know, your grades and whatnot, the focus is the sport, right? Um, contrary to here where focuses you a student athlete right um so you're a student first you're an athlete second so uh, over there it's very there there you know there are a lot of systems that that are very developed to get you know usually kids like i was with you know some raw talent and uh uh some 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 potential and develop that talent and develop that potential and then you end up seeing a lot of kids uh, thriving because you know we had that opportunity early on not to be stopped because you know we had to be at this particular school to play at a particular club or whatever the case may be so this 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 is what kind of happened to me but you're absolutely right uh, the basketball community is, is huge uh, the the and the in spain in europe it's just it's just getting bigger and bigger yeah, I mean, I was, uh, and, and I'm originally from the Dominican Republic, and it happens yeah. to baseball. Baseball kids, when they're like, when you're, they only, they sign you when you're like 15, 14. Yeah. And you get to the minors, then it's like A, double A, triple A, and then, then you get to the major leagues. If you, but some exactly. people last like three years. Same thing with hockey, I think, here. Uh, but one of the things that surprised me in Europe is just like, I remember there's this big rivalry in Spain between Real Madrid and Barcelona. Uh, yeah. This is a big, and I'm thinking, football that's what i'm thinking yeah. i'm thinking yeah. like my friends like oh we're gonna see the game of real madrid barcelona and then it, there's a bunch of people from spain gathering and i see basketball i'm like oh what? it's a city <laughs> thing it's a city thing it's not a sport thing it's a city thing like barcelona and madrid like every single sport their rival it's not i don't know if they're playing any other sport over there I, i'm not i'm not uh i'm not educated enough on that but it's it's definitely like a city thing and if you go i wish people could go and experience a, a sports event in europe just to see how crazy it is like fans in europe are insane yep I, they're I, throwing I, I... torches and they have torches and huge banners and they're stomping and it's it's a whole different experience. It's not like I feel like in North America, people go and they enjoy the entertainment. 
right? They go, you have a few drinks with a few friends and you have, you enjoy the game with popcorns. No, over there, they're fans. They're going there to support the team in a way that they're the whatever six men or 12th men on the on the field, whatever sports it is. So it's very, um, it's, 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 it's a very different experience here and in Europe. Um, but yeah, it's very fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I I, I saw that, and then and I like I started seeing it, and I, and I see that's the same with club. They have club basketball, like the like Champions League of basketball, which is like the, yeah. the teams, the main teams of every country, and then they they play each other. And and you're right, it it is like a sort of like a cult type of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's insane. <laughs> It's crazy. It, it is like it is like a cult. So you <laughs> experienced me. that, which is which is cool as a kid. So you went to those things and you experienced that. So you like did you went to school like to boarding school and basketball? Was that your life for like how long was that like that part of your life? Oh my entire my entire teen like my whole teenage years. I left like I said. So I was a really good soccer player right before that. So I was in soccer. Like every kid in France, every kid in France is a soccer crack. It's you got to see it to believe it. It's like going to Brazil. And 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 but there's some kids that, you know, I was physically gifted, taller than everybody else, faster, a little bit stronger from my age, whatnot. So in every sports that I played, I, I did martial arts one. And that's a lot of like people don't really know about that, but it's, you know, I was a two-time regional champion, kickboxing. You know, I was a really, really good soccer player, and that was all before I turned 12. Um, and then when I turned 12, I really had a growth spurt, and I became interested in playing basketball. Um, so sports was all I knew my entire life until recently <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> wow so, yeah, so what do you think years ago what what did you think like you you're a very athletic guy what what do you think sport brought to your life like that like because it's it's hard everything. thing to do everything everything i know like man i like we could have an, an entire podcast on what sport stopped me everything it's you know um There's not everything because I learned from other things, but there's things that, you know, for example, like hand-eye coordination, being able to look at something and do something with your hands, do something else with your hands. This would help you being an artist, for example, playing the piano, playing the guitar, playing whatever. I have a guitar behind me. I'm trying to learn that. So that helps with me with that. Hand-eye coordination helps me driving, right? So it's like my reflexes are a lot quicker than somebody who didn't practice the dexterity with their hands, who didn't practice that hand-eye coordination for 12 years of their life. So that's just at, at a physical level, not at a mental level, you know, when I believe that self-confidence is built through practice. And the reason I believe that is because that's what I went through. It's uh, right. If you want to, get good at a particular skill you have to know how it's done learn how to do it and then do it and then get really good at it right and then 
being a, when you know, in my in my opinion, when you know how to do something in a really efficient way, you become confident, right? It's like it, when you're driving, at some point you forget that you one day you didn't know how to drive. So you become confident, you're driving with one hand, you know, you forget to put your blinker on, little things like that. And to me, I just feel like sports just taught me so much throughout my life. Um, and like I said, just uh, so many things, how to be confident, how to carry myself because, you know, how to be disciplined, you know, how to, how to deal with other people, how to read other people. Uh, because you have to deal with teammates and you have to deal with coaches and you have to deal with, you know, fans and how to tune out the noise. Because, you know, if you're trying to make a free throw, there's like 6,000 fans around chanting. That's that's a lot of pressure and you have to be able to laser focus on, I need to make that free throw and not the guy in the stand, you know, chanting whatever about your mom, just so you can miss that free throw. It's really, it's a mental game. So it's like, there's a lot of things like that that sports taught me that, you know, I could write a whole book. Literally, there's so many things from a physical <clears throat> to a mental level to a social level. Like I was in a team environment for my entire life. So I had to learn how to deal with other people. I had to learn how to be accepted with other people. I had to learn, you know, how not to offend, how, what, you know what I mean? All these things that, you know, you may learn later on, like, like an old, like a regular kid per se would only learn once they're really able to spread their wings per se when they go to university, right? Mom and dad, they're not around anymore. You're able to start learning about yourself doing, like doing those mistakes. I was, I started making university mistakes at 12. So by the time I was 12, by the time I got to university, I had all these years of advance on people because, you know, I was away from my parents at 12. So going from high school to university wasn't a big change to me. Everybody was so excited. Oh, my God, like freedom. I'm like, I've been free my entire life. So to me, this doesn't change. This didn't change the way I look at myself or whether I was free or whatever my parents I was always away from my parents so um there's a lot of things like that that to me gave me I believe a personal head start not in comparison to anybody else but in comparison to I believe what I could have you know where I could have been in terms of you know mentally physically whatever the case may be like early on I learned personal hygiene you know what I mean like how to clip, you know, how to clip your nails and your toenails. And because there's things like if your toenails are too long, for example, as a basketball player, your, your toes are going to be in a certain way in your shoes. This can lead to, you know, inflammation on the toes and the feet. And the last thing you want to do when you're an athlete is be injured or be hurt. So there's a lot of things like that you have to learn early on. You're taught early on. Um, and it's like riding a bike. You once you learn, you learn, kind of thing, right? Um, but yeah, that's that's just to give you like a bird's eye view of what sports taught me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree because I, I I have a friend that has a software company in California, and he only hires 
for the sales department, they're all ex-professional athletes. Like they even play yeah. semi-pro or, and I never understood that. I was like, he's like, well, no, I mean, I only hired them because they have the best discipline. They learn, like you said, teamwork. They, they, they bring the sports into real life. Yeah. Yeah. And the, even the, even the competitiveness, he says, like, even like when they see like that somebody's doing like there could be a guy selling two hundred thousand dollars in a month and the other guy selling like a hundred and fifty and he's still doing great. But he's like, oh, really? like, like this is happening. Yeah, <laughs> and then when we get there. That's exactly how I am. I don't compete with anybody, but it's just that that competitiveness that's in me that always, you know, from an since. I was a kid. I was even before I played basketball. It's do better every single day. You can run faster. You can jump higher. You can score more points. You can get more rebounds. You can get better grades. And it's not you can get better grades than this guy. It's just somebody in your ears every day telling you, you can do better. You can do better. So like, then it's like that voice is constantly there. I remember one of my friends, I bought, we live in a beautiful house and I bought my house and I wasn't happy. Like I didn't celebrate. It's like, why? I was already thinking about the next house, which is insane. He looked at me like, what do you mean? I was like, thinking like you, we win a championship, we celebrate 24 hours, we, the next day we back to work thinking about the next championship so it's like it's like you can't just to you can't just tune out all of that and all of a sudden not be an athlete anymore you take that with you in your life with everything you do so no you're absolutely right I can see why somebody there's some downfalls being at that you know but you know when I believe I was I, I had great support people great teachers around me life teachers life coaches and those were basketball coaches, like school teachers and stuff like that, that were able to guide me and, uh, you know, and, and, and teach me the right ways to go about certain things. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's just stuck with me. And I believe that kind of reflects on why, I, you know, my, the social media success that I'm having, a lot of this those lessons that I learned are what you know, what's driving the growth of my page. That baby video is just a fluke. I'll be honest with you. I don't really post my kids that much. It's a fluke. Got 19. But even that is something that I've known. That technique is something that I've known my entire life because my parents are pediatricians. Um, and it's, I see moms, longtime moms. I'm talking about kids who now have kids about to have other kids who said I wish I seen that when I had my kids and I'm like what it means that to me it's kind of I didn't know because when you it's like I grew up with it right my parents every single baby I've held the baby started crying this is what I would do every single baby in my life because one day I think my mom or my dad taught me showing the baby to stop crying you can hold them like that they'll stop right because my and it's because my parents are doctors and they special specialize in kids zero to 18 years old um <clears throat> so now when i post that 
thinking I'm just showing a skill that probably moms already know. I realize a lot of people don't. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people don't don't know, and and we're, and we're gonna get to the parenting part and and how did how, how did that went. So that's that's kind of interesting. Your parents, both of them, are doctors. Yeah. So they they well they were did they practice in France as well as in like they practice in France and in Africa yeah. or is in both places. Yeah. Yeah. So they're retired now. Um, I'll uh, I'll give people the, the 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 luxury of Google who my dad is. I'm not gonna spend too much time. Uh, on who my dad is but yeah they're retired now uh they both live in congo um, um my dad works as a politician now uh so i'll like i said i'll give people the luxury to go and google his name uh and yeah, we'll, we'll do we'll is. do that off i'll google it off record <laughs> yeah yeah and um and uh uh but they that's that that's just recently um that he now is where you're at but they've they were you know, uh, physician practitioners there for, I don't know, I'm 32 before, so at least 32 years. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Is any, um, do you have any brothers and sisters that are doctors or yeah. is it? No, no. Well, I think my younger sister is probably going to end up being a doctor or a psychologist or some smart thing of that, of that kind. She's, uh, she's, she's currently, in her second bachelor or PhD, uh, I should listen better to her, but um, in psychology, um, my brother is an artist. Um, he, he went to school for uh, 3D animation. Uh, my sister, my oldest sister, I have an older sister who's a um, converted financial head and now she's, a, a, she's an interior designer. Um, and so, yeah, no, we all kind of went our own way, um, except my sister, if you meet my, my younger sister, she's, uh, the copy paste of my dad. So it's no surprise that, um, that, you know, she went that route to me. It would have been no surprise if any of us follow that route. Um, but my belief is that if my parents had a choice, they probably wouldn't have been doctors. Um. Really? So, well, I think they loved what they did. Um, I think they love being doctors. Don't get me wrong. They're passionate about it. But they grew up in, you know, they had, especially my dad, had a really rough upbringing. You know, he grew up poor, uh, you know, and um, so he kind of was the hope of his family. Um, he mentions to me that you're, you know, growing up, he, he dreamed of being a policeman, like uh, on the bike, you know, those, 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 those policemen yeah, on the bikes, um, or uh, that, or a priest. Um, but, you know, the option that he had before him, you know, growing up in Africa, in Congo, he, he had to make some choices, right, to not only for us, for his family, for himself, you know, to, to be able to, to give us the the opportunities that we had throughout our life. Um, and kind of same with my mom. Uh, my mom has a little, little bit of a different upbringing than my dad, but similar, she, you know, I guess that's what she, they're people's first, like they're people's people, if you see my parents. So it's no surprise to me that they were passionate about being doctors, but they're so talented that, 
to me, them being doctors doesn't highlight how talented they are. Right. I see. What my dad does right now, I believe, highlights how talented the dude is. Um, my mom is retired, living her life. That highlights probably the hard work she put in to the last 32, 35. My oldest sister is 36, 37. I don't know. She's old. But, <laughs> but right. your, your uh, mom was like, uh, your mom was like, I worked, I'm out. <laughs> your dad is like, She's not even done working, but now it's, 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 she does what she loves. So she has a, a she has a foundation um, back in Africa, you know, they, they caring for, for women and children. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think everything they do is still related, like related to people. Right. But I think, you know, when you're a lawyer, you're a lawyer, when you're a doctor, you're a doctor, when you're, Uh, a I don't know when you're an accountant you're an accountant you could be a really artistic accountant and with within the with the right you know the right breaks and the right chances you could have been an, an amazing artist but your environment made it that you had to become an accountant that's how I feel about my parents um because I see myself in my parents and I don't feel like I needed to be a doctor or I needed to be a lawyer. I feel like I could be right now. I feel like I don't, my life is not never going to be long enough for me to be everything I want to be because why not? No, that's why not? I, 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 I think, it, I think that's the, that, that's the right mentality. It's just that like you could do it. And again, I think the sports mentality brings that, that you could, you could do because you, yeah. you focus and you go to that. So yeah. I mean, your parents are doctors. You you you're a well-traveled guy. Very at a very young age because of sports yeah. and things like that, and you got the focus. So, what what is the transition from France to Canada? How does that happen? So, uh, my my parents started to feel like they, I believe, uh, feel like you know they wanted better opportunities for and better recognition for the work that they've been putting in um one of my uncle was in their ears who's also a doctor uh, who lives in alberta and you told him like look you know come check canada out and you might you might you know find something that you like so uh in 08 my parents came and they visited a few places uh and out of all places we ended up in bathurst new brunswick that's, so that's really wow. how it happened yeah Uh, so they came and they visited. So how it happened, my dad came and he was the one recruited. Um, but I think if I remember correctly, there's another pediatrician at the time that retired. So when he went for the visit, they told him we're actually looking for two pediatricians. And here we are, my, both my parents wow. are pediatricians. So that's, that's how it all happened. So you, you, you live, well, and I mean, you lived in a small town in France. So yeah. when you live to Baptist, Brunswick, which is another small town, so it wasn't that much of a difference. So you, you oh, kind of. No, that was a huge difference. No, 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 no. no. Oh, really? How, how, how oh, was man. it? Like, what, what, what was the big difference? Language, um, not English, French. So imagine that you, I, I like French is my first language and French was a language barrier. 
I couldn't understand nobody over here. Um, so that was really tough. Um, you know, leaving my entire life behind, my friends. I had a girlfriend at the time. Um, you know, just grown. I was only 18, right? But um, I was a kid, but, you know, I dropped basketball like that. Like I went from playing at the high. So to give you an idea, in 2008, I won two championships at two different levels, two national championships. And so that was in May 2008. I dropped everything. And in October 2008, I was in school. In September 2008, I was in school in Canada, in Bathurst, New Brunswick, where we they didn't have a basketball team. And the basketball coach was a hockey coach who happened to be the dad of one of the wow. players. So I ended up doing a lot of the coaching um, and we ended up having a really good team. Um, we, we ended up doing not the bad and we only lost against BHS, Bathurst High School, who ended up winning it all that year. Um, so um, yeah, that's kind of, Wow. The transition was crazy. It was no, the transition was insane. It was that first year was insanely tough. Uh, the, the, the food, extremely different. Um, like, so let I me ask you food, this. Yeah. Like, were you, were you the only black guy on your school? Like, is that like, Bapper is a really small place. So there's not a lot of yeah. black people, only students. So I wasn't, we met, um, so we met, we met some fam, uh, some family, some, People who ended up being family that to this day I consider family. I consider them my brother, uncles, and stuff like that. Uh, so I'll shout them out. Actually, the Wakas, the the Shabani's. Um, so uh, um, we ended up we ended up finding family over here um, that were already there. Uh, so I wasn't the only black guy, but we weren't very many. I'll tell you that there was many of us. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's not many of us. There's more now, but I, I was wondering when you yeah. get here in 2008. There even was then, like even then, there wasn't like I said. I can probably count them, the black families. I can probably count them on my fingers when I arrive on on one hand. You know what I'm saying? Like so, yeah, there yeah, weren't that not... many. But now, now it's beautiful to see. If you go to Bathurst, you'll see a nice a nice colorful bathers and to me it's beautiful to see yeah i, I do i do think it's uh, the community there is growing i know uh people like i don't know philomene tiango i don't know if you know her she is she she does yeah mama philo mama philo that's 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 yeah. that's that's she's she's one of my mom like really really close friend and i call her like thompson philo mama philo like she shows up like this is how close we are to her when my first child was here she was here cooking in my house, helping my wife. Um, she, she, she's in Bathurst. She, my brother lives in Bathurst. She helps my brother out from time to time. Dr. Philo is a great woman. Uh, so shout out to Dr. Philo. Shout out to her. We need, I need to yeah. interview her. Yeah, for sure. I think she, she's yeah. done a lot here. She's been here for oh, a while. Yeah. She's, she's been for, here for, she's a, she's a staple in the black community, I believe. Uh, uh, out here in the greater, you know, the greater mountain area and, and beyond. I mean, everywhere I go, there's somebody that knows Philo Menzongo. So, 
Yeah, she was the first uh, when I got here. I got here in 2010 and uh, I I didn't it was weird to me because I didn't see any black people doing anything like and then this she was the first woman that I saw that she, I think she was trying to be counselor or something. And I was like the yeah. first woman that I saw that was like, whoa, there's a black person here running for. No, she some, she, some she got she got man. She she got the fire, bro. She's not scared of nobody. And, you know. She's not scared. She 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 loves her community. Everybody. She loves everybody. And I think that's why people love her. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So you you finish school here and then you go to college. Is that what you do? Or what do you do after, yeah. after you finish high school? So I go to university. I go to Acadia University and uh for a year and a half, and it doesn't work out. Uh so I ended up coming back to Moncton. Um and stop. So I went to Acadia University to play basketball. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so I ended up having trouble at school. Uh, in learning in English ended up being much harder than I envisioned because I graduated from the French high school. Um, and, you know, French being my first language at the time. Uh, I didn't sound like this in 2008. My English was very much uh, uh, more broken. Uh, I could, there's very, there's, you know, just basic things that I had a hard time understanding. Uh, so going to college and trying now to to balance basketball and, and studies and all of that in a language that I had a hard time understanding. And then, you know, couple that with, you know, heavy injuries um, that I wasn't, accustomed to deal with um so it didn't it didn't end up working out so I moved back to, to Moncton where my sister was my oldest sister she was in, in university here um my cousin one of my really close cousins was here so I kind of found a home so in in 2011 I moved to Moncton uh to take care of my body because I like like I said I so I broke my I broke my ankle uh, my right ankle then broke my left ankle um, and oh, wow. I had some some knee problems yeah it was um, so it was it was really and my my right ankle was misdiagnosed when I was in university uh, so it was diagnosed just as, as, as a lower um, uh, external sprain but I had a fracture I had a fractured bone so this so what happened is I went to I went to Acadia and the first practice very first practice I landed on somebody's uh, somebody's foot and broke my right ankle uh, but he was misdiagnosed so I went back and played before the Christmas break and after the Christmas break my ankle kept swelling it would the swelling wouldn't go down so then I was shut down right before the playoffs um, and then I got a second opinion uh, during the summer uh, and yeah my my leg my my ankle was broken so there's that and then you know I started dealing with mental health issues that you know as a black young man I didn't really believe were mental health issues um and so yeah so all of this 
made me move to Moncton. Uh, so I ended up going to university here in Moncton. My first year was tough, flunked out of, flunked out of university my first year. Uh, uh, no, my second year over here. Uh, so I had to take some of the courses. So, you know, everything was a rosy. Um, but then, you know, I started finding my stride. And uh, then, you know, my body started, I started getting my body back. I met my wife um, uh, and we ended up moving to Halifax. And I went to play for Dalhousie University. Um, and, uh, but again, same thing, mental health issues, physical uh, injuries, uh, starting dealing with like real, real mental health problems, like just going nuts. So that, you know, I ended up moving back here and, you know, there's so many things. My wife got pregnant, like we got pregnant. Our apartment was infested with mice. It was insane. So we're like, yo, we're moving home. Like we're going back to New Brunswick. We're buying a house. We're, we're going to figure it out. And that's how I ended up back in New Brunswick. So we've, we've been back in Dieppe since 2016. Wow. That's, uh, you know, it's kind of funny that you said like in as a black man, you don't understand about mental health. And and you're right. A lot of, uh, especially a, a lot of immigrant communities, I, I, I don't think it's also black, but I think also where mental health is not not a real thing. I mean, I can tell you by myself that I remember when I came here, uh, I didn't see the sun for five days. Yeah. And that just got me depressed. And I didn't know what it was. I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, why do I feel this way? It's... And then it was like, oh, I haven't, they haven't seen the sun for five days. This is not normal. Like, but I, I, I can definitely understand that. So you, you had to learn about mental health and you had to get treatment for that and things like that. So I started getting treated for my mental health like just a year and a half ago, two years ago, uh, after multiple mental, like mental breakdowns. That's when I really like started thinking, okay, like I can't do this on my own. And that's, and so like, cause there was, you know, there, there was, uh, uh, steps to figuring out okay this is truly mental health like my my mental is broken like the same way my ankle was broken I had to accept that my mental was broken it's not that I was born with mental health issues it's some something happened in the course of my life that like I had a lot of anxiety I like I've Still to this day, I'm a very anxious person. People can't really tell because I've been working on this and I've been really, really good at hiding it um, because I've had to hide it my entire life. Uh, but it's, I'm a very anxious person, you know? And um, a lot of things would get me extremely anxious to the point where I would have trouble breathing, trouble eating, trouble sleeping. But I would always convince myself that I was being weak during those moments. I wasn't being strong. Like there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. Like I'm paralyzed in my bed, can't do anything, avoiding going, like going to practice, avoiding like contact with other people. But in my head, I'm convincing myself that it's, it's what's happening to me is normal and I just need to be stronger and handle it in a better way so I can remember those feelings for the 
most part of my life because probably I've been an athlete and a high level athlete my entire life. I've been exposed to those anxious, like, I, I guess, anxious triggers, like coaches yelling at you, someone telling you keep doing better. So although that pushes you to keep doing better, that also means when you're not doing better, that can cause a lot of it, like anxiety. So although sports taught me a lot of good things that also exposed me to a lot of things early on that I didn't know how to, how to handle pressure. I didn't know how to handle pressure. Anxiety, you don't stress all these things that come, inevitably come with being a high level athlete and then a student athlete. I didn't know how to handle that. Right. So it's just recently that I've really been like doing like a really like hard work on myself, figuring out, okay, how do I, how do I not get anxious? How do I respond when I see something, you know, that's about to make me anxious instead of doing like I had a, I had bad habits. For example, I would get anxious, grab my basketball, 3 a.m., find a gym and go shoot the basketball at three o'clock in the morning. My wife would look at me crazy. It's like, wow. where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to play basketball. That's the only thing I knew. Right? The only thing, the only escape I had for a very long time was basketball. But then you grow up. Then the knees start giving up. Then the legs start giving up. Then you lose basketball. How do you handle all of that? Yeah, that, that's right? true. That's true. How do you handle that when, when that's been all your life, right? So I'm 32. I played sports for as young as I can remember. So I would say I've at least 20 years, 20 plus years of my life, I've been anxious. I just realized, deeply realizing it the last five years or so, right? So um, yeah, no, it's, it's so mental health was def is definitely something I'm still learning about. Um, and I think a lot of people relate to me because I'm really open about my mental health on social media. I don't hide people see my treatment. I talk about it very openly because I don't really feel the need to hide anything. I'm a normal guy. I just get anxious sometimes and depressed like everybody else. Yeah, um, and it's like what you said, it's like your leg, if your leg hurts, it's the same thing. Like it's just your mind, yeah. but we can't see it. That's the that's the difference, but you can't but you can't see it. And and yeah. I commend you for that. I think it's it's really important that black men, it. specifically black men, need to talk about their issues and feelings. So sometimes there's like a stigma that you have to be tough, that you have to be tough and you have to suck this up. And, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute, I'm, I'm normal too. I, I got feelings yeah. too, I got emotions yeah. too, right? Like I yeah. got this too. Yeah, my <laughs> wife tells me, my wife often tells me and not in a bad way, but she's like, you know, sometimes I forget you have emotion. And so, One thing about me is I'm very, very even killed. Like my, um, my emotions, unless I decide to really show you my emotion, I tend to respond to situation. I don't react, right? So something bad could be happening. My demeanor is going to remain, remain the same. And I'm then when everybody's gone, that's when I break down. Right. And, and so that's also a bad um, service that I render to people because often people put on my plate a lot more that I can actually take. 
simply because they don't see a difference be, before, like between when they put something on my plate and after. Until one moment, I, you know, I buttered it up for so much. And I'm like, okay, no, I can't take this anymore. Like this has been happening for three days, four days, five days. You've been doing this, blah, 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 blah. This happens with my wife, my family and stuff like that. So it's, you know, that's also a bad, and that sport taught me that. Because in, like I said, the very good example, you have the free throw line and you have a hundred people in front of you chanting, against you rooting against you but you have to focus on making that free throw so it's even people also like often like comment on how calm i am with my kids when they cry this is a when my kids cry is like it drives me i don't like it like any other parent my reaction just doesn't show it because to me, I'm always thinking I'm not going to stress anybody out because I'm stressed out. And so like, that's, a, that's, that's not always good because for example, just in my relationship with my wife, you know, she'll feel the need like anybody else at some point to vent about something, for example, when I'm not feeling good, but because I'm not showing that I'm not feeling that I'm not feeling good, she doesn't know because she doesn't know. She can't anticipate that whatever she's about to do is gonna make me feel worse. And that then we just two people feeling bad, right? And so that's that's a, a disservice that I do to my wife because I could just say, listen, I'm not feeling good right now. But I need, I'm still learning how to get out of the habit of thinking, be stronger. Thinking you can take this right now. I'm, I'm still learning to get out of this bad habit because it's a bad habit. Because when my ankle was broken, I had crutches. I wasn't out here thinking, no, I can't do this. I can't walk. <laughs> I couldn't. I physically couldn't walk. It's the same thing with your mental health. Sometimes you physically can't think when a lot of parents tell me when they cry the cry gets to them so when the baby cries and the cries get to them so much they can't think that's what stress does to you it stops you from thinking so imagine making a decision while you're not thinking and you have a baby in your hand that can be very dangerous so it's like so so it's like it's things like that that to me, I've just hammered in my head, be calm. Just stay calm. The house is on fire, stay calm. The, everything is burning, the World War III starting, stay calm. It's because to me, it's, I, I've taught myself, you're, you either have control in the outcome or you don't. And that's if right, I don't, I'm not. I'm not going to stress about it. I agree on that. I think. I think you. You. You got stressed, and I. And I think I also agree with the with the sports, which is like a double edged sword. Because I. I seen that like yeah. when people are losing, like if you're losing on a team and people are screaming, you know you're losing, but you got to keep doing. Like, gotta still play because yeah. the, the game's not over, you right? So a, you got. You don't have, you don't you have don't, a choice. I have a choice, and 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 you know, it's it's a really really hard thing to do like it's like it's really really hard like as 
you see, I, I coach kids. I've coached basketball, high school. Uh, I coach now uh, young kids. Uh, but parents, for example, some parents in the stands are ruthless, right? I've seen some parents who want their kids, who want to see their kids succeed so bad that it becomes about the parent and not about the kid. And then the kid has to play in front of that parent. Imagine the pressure as a high school kid, right? Um, so it's things like that, that, you know, and you see the kids still performing, right? There's still, so it's, there's things like that, that, like you said, it's a double, double-edged word. Like it's, the, yeah, you're going to have it the gets good. You know because in order to be even killed, you have to be exposed to all the stress, right? In order to know how to respond to it, you have to be exposed to it. And I don't think that it's necessarily a good thing to be exposed to it that early. Um, but, you know, that definitely teaches you a lot. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely agree on that part. That this, it's, it's hard. It, it is a process. So, but yeah. I mean, I think it's what what you said that you you, you learn from it and you're open about it. So, we're, we're gonna get into that. Like because of your openness and this thing, uh, this took daddy uh, phenomenon has recently come because of, because of your openness with kids and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and, and and what you say. So, you let's talk about the the whole tiktok and and social media thing like this yeah just happened so can you break it down how exactly happened what what happened the video that went happening and what happened from there so before that video that you guys are not seeing i already had four hundred thousand followers on tiktok um so that's what i'm saying that video is a fluke that like that video, I gained 200,000 followers out of that video, but I've already oh, wow. had 400, I already had 400,000 followers. So I was already well on my way, well established on TikTok before I even made that video. Um, and this is not my typical content. It's become part of my content now because I see that people need parental advice they need to see a parent they can be they, a parent they can relate to younger parents younger generation and i'm even realizing all the parents now who have older kids who are about to have kids and like yo this is something i can teach them to make their life easier and they see that from black booty who lives in new brunswick a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people don't know what I do in New Brunswick uh, because most of my following is in the state. Um, I think 58 or 60% of my following is in the state. So people know me in the state. They just don't know. I just, I'm just not known in, in Canada. So, um, so let me ask you something. Like, when yeah. was it you had 400,000 followers before this video get like, what was the first content that you like it blew up on followers? What was the first thing you did that that blew up? Like you said, like, whoa, what how this is amazing. The first content, man, I have a lot of like I have a lot of videos that blew up a lot. I probably have because it takes a lot to grow an audience in the you know, quarter mil, half a mil, 
it takes a lot. I have 2,000 videos posted on TikTok. I started posting in, wow. in, in, in August 2020. Um, so um, the first video, I think, is actually the video that got me started. So there was a skit. So on TikTok, you can use people's sound and lip sync and whatever. So uh, the very, very first video that blew up, and when I say blew up, at the time, I'm talking 10,000 views. Because you have to think, at the time, I had 70 followers. So to me, having 10,000 views, I'm blowing up. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's well, right. 70 to 10,000, that's amazing. That's a lot. That's, that's, an, that's an amazing ratio, right? So the, my first videos in the five figures was a video where I lip sync uh um um another sound and it's a guy saying my friend texted me so i'm quoting my friend texted me and he said yo i bet you're not going to be tiktok famous in the next month i bet you a hundred dollars you're not going to be tiktok famous in the next month and then i said bet i'll i'll see my hundred dollars next month so that's that's as simple as simple as that and i just lip sync it and made it as if like, you know, made a little skit, like I'm in my bedroom texting and as if I'm having the conversation. So that is the first video that, and I was like, and when you hear the sound, it's, I bet you're not gonna be TikTok famous in a month. I challenged myself when I heard that. That's why I posted the video that I'm gonna be TikTok famous because why the hell not? So I heard that sound. I heard that sound and I was like, why not? And I posted it. And then I stopped posting for months. Wow, why? I'm telling you, stop. It's lost interest. Kind of lost interest. Um, I had I had one kid at a time. Uh my second was on this on his way. Uh just working a lot. Kind of lost interest. And then um a relationship with wifey started to get uh rocky around august 2020 um we were in the process of selling our first home and looking for a second house we were trying to take advantage of the seller's market at the time and you know and then and then you know hopefully found another property so this was a very stressful time we had another kid on the way um we weren't seeing eye to eye and it was extremely, extremely stressful. So we were like, I don't know where we were headed. It's just, I, it was really bad. Like that's all I can say. And so we ended up selling the house and we didn't have a home. So we moved to her, to my wife's parents with my kids, my dog, uh, dog. And uh, so the entire family, we left all our stuff in my neighbor, who's also one of my closest friends, garage. And we ended up buying the house we, we live in now. But the house was like under construction, so it wasn't ready until, so we sold in July and the house wasn't ready until September. In the midst of that, my wife's dad had a heart attack. Um, so that was extremely stressful. Uh, we were home when he had his heart attack. Um, 
I started having family issues. So no, not really any time to focus on me and my wife and fix our relationship. Everything is the just, last thing in your mind. Like TikTok is the last thing that's in my mind at that point. Everything TikTok is the last thing on my mind at that point. Exactly. <clears throat> and so when we sold the house, so we sold in July, but the closing date was in August. So I told my wife, look, we can't see each other right now. We can't like it's so we talked and she said, look, I'm going to go to my parents early on. You take care of the move. When it's done, you come and find us. So she moved. So she went to her parents with, with my two younger kids. Um, and I stayed back to take care of the move because we sold the house and I had to get the house ready for closing. Um, and that's when I had time. The wife wasn't there. The kids weren't there. So I started picking up my phone and getting on TikTok again and just posting random stuff here and there, not being consistent with it, just here and there posting. Then I think I had another video going viral. This one was in like the 50,000. And at the time I had like 500, uh, 500 followers. So to me, that was viral. That was my definition of viral at the time, uh, 50,000 views. So, you know, I'm like, whoa, this is interesting. So I keep posting. And then the more I post, the more I see people around me using TikTok, people that I know. I'm like, oh, so it's not just for, because my view was, it's for kids, right? So I'm thinking it's not just for kids, right? And I'm still posting and posting and posting. Get back, just get back no no get back she's clingy bro it's, it's ridiculous that hey, dog it, man it, it, she loves it, the it's cuddle. Okay. yeah but it's um, all right so yeah so then i take care of the move so one of the video that went viral is me uh moving the stuff out of the house so i just put my phone in the moving truck and it's just me going back and forth putting stuff in the truck with some music in the background and that's it. And he got like 50,000 views. I'm like, that's all I need to do. So then I noticed, okay, every time I use a particular sound, so the sound that's trending, I'm getting a lot of views. So I kept doing that. And so I ended up, you know, meeting my wife and kids uh, at her parents and relationship still rocky. And I stumbled upon a video and the guy says, here's a challenge for all the men. I challenge you to surprise your wife and give her a hug from the back just for 10 seconds and see how it changes the atmosphere in your house. At this point, I ain't got nothing to lose. It feels like I'm already about to lose everything. Why not? So my idea is, I'm going to do this for 30 days. I'm going to surprise, hug her from the back for 30 days. And then I'm going to post it on TikTok as a compilation. I realized that was a lot of work. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do it every day and find ways to hide my phone. She's going to eventually catch on. But the idea is she will catch on once I give her the hug. She won't anticipate the hug. 
right? So that was my idea. I didn't want her to anticipate it, but I didn't care if she knew that I was recording. Because that taught me one, two things. First of all, that taught me that I didn't show love the way she wanted to receive love. And she didn't show love the way I wanted to receive love because we didn't speak the same love. We didn't, we don't speak the same love language. I'm not a hugger. I'm not a kisser. I'm not a big physical attached guy, but I do a lot for people. And she's the complete opposite. She do she does a lot for people, but she also likes the physical uh, attention and the physical closeness and stuff like that. I'm a little bit, bit of the opposite. So the first video that I posted had got a million views. That changed my definition of viral. So I posted day one, 1 million views. Day two, 200,000 views. Day three, 300,000 views. Day four, 2 million views. Day five, so on and so forth. So I went for 30 days straight finding a way to surprise my wife and hug her from the back and hide the phone somewhere in the house. So she, she, so often what I had to do is catch her while she was doing something. So if she's cooking, if she's doing the dishes or if she's on the phone doing something, so I, you know, give a chance to hide the phone, hit record, and then, you know, do something. And then while she turns around, kind of like catch her. So all those videos went viral. All of them. Wow. All 30 of them went viral. And while he was going viral, the other thing that he was also doing was bringing me closer to my wife. Now we were talking again. Now we're discussing our issues. Now we're trying to fix things. Now we're trying to, you know, move in the same direction. And so while all of this happening, I also realized People want to see this. So now I'm thinking, how can I help people? So I'm thinking, okay, I went through all of this for the past two, three years. I'm just going to teach everything. Everything I learned through this hardship that I've been through, I'm just going to be an open book. And so I found a sound that it was five things people don't want to hear. And it was like five things girls don't want to hear, five things boys don't want to hear, five things men don't want to hear. And it was all negative stuff. I'm not a negative dude. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take that concept. And at first, I didn't really understand what I was doing. But I explained, because now I understand clearly without knowing what I did to go viral. So... <clears throat> I take the same concept, five things people don't want to hear, but I slap people with positivity. Like about men giving advice, like boosting people's confidence. You know, one of my most famous quote on TikTok is little booties matters, matter too. So talking about women's behind and be in this area where Every, like, you know, the Nicki Minaj and stuff like that are glorified. I'm telling you, you're okay and you're beautiful the way you look. Everybody started following. So I realized now I have a series out of that. So I kept posting and just posting positive stuff, just finding what can I post? 
who can I talk about and send something positive? So then I would be like, five things parents don't want to hear. Then parents, we we know you did your best, but like just some uplifting stuff, consistently uplifting people on the platform. And so that's what I, I, I've been doing. And then, you know, as my life changed, I started including my kids in the videos, not as much. Like I said, me and my kids were not the main content until my, my youngest was born and became superstar. That, that's why I call him the superstar because he was born yesterday. He's got 19 million views already. So that was, I, I'm not going to say that was a fluke because now I understand why it went viral, but I didn't post it with the intent to go viral. A lot of my content, I don't post it with the intent to go viral. Like I actually talk about my mental health to a lot of people. Like I'm very, very open because I know this young kid about to go to university, I know what his dad is saying. I know what his mom is saying because it's a cultural thing often. And when I'm saying cultural, it's not necessarily black or white, but being an athlete is a culture right being a student athlete is a culture having parents who were athletes is a whole culture you know and i'm saying that because you grow up in a certain environment where you're going to receive things and maybe lack things and to me i'm like i know everything that i lacked and i know everything that i received and i know everything that i've learned like all the things that I was able to catch on that I feel like I lacked growing up, I'm able to give that back on a platform for free for people to see. So now I have kids on the platform saying things like, I wish you were my dad. I wish you, like, I wish you were my friend. Like you're the friend everybody wants to have because I'm so open. It's like, I do series where I'm like, I'm just talking about my emotions. If I had a bad day, like I had a day the other day where, uh, you know, as a mortgage broker, you know, you're trying to get the community involved because that's how you get successful. And that day I probably called 30 people. Everybody said no. So that got me down, right? I, that got me down and I've talked about it. I was like, you know, all I heard today was no. So I'm not feeling good. And that's it. And people relate to that. You know, people relate because some often you go on the app after a long day and maybe you had a long day. And if all you see is people faking it, that they're happy and that, you know, not everything is going perfectly in their life, that's going to get you some views, but people are not going to relate. People can relate to me because when I have a hard day, I don't lie. I don't act like I had a good day. I had a hard day. Today I'm tired. I just damn tired. My kids are took everything out of me. And I, I'm, I talk about it and this is okay. To me, I'm not Superman. I don't want anybody to think I'm Superman. I don't want anybody to think they are Superman because you best believe you're not. <laughs> you best believe you're not. And and it's a mistake to think otherwise. Um, so that's, 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 that's some things I, I've learned. Um, but to break it down, that's how I went viral, you know, went from you know, playing around with the app and then kind of understanding how the app works and then finding my groove and finding how to, you know, 
utilize my knowledge, what I already knew, because I didn't have to go and learn anything. I everything I share on social media is things I already know. So I'm a lot of a lot of it is very spontaneous. Like it's like I said, that hold posture or it's I've known it my entire life. I didn't have to go and learn it. People always like there's a doctor on YouTube showing it. I'm like, the reason I've seen that doctor show it is because somebody showed it to me. But I'm 32 and I've known that position my entire life. Because every single baby that I've held, my parents have told me this is a way you can stop them from crying. Right. And um, so, you know, it's just being very authentic on the app. Like, tube daddy is because I like right now my hair is too long to have my toucan, but I usually have a toucan. So I, the name is really not far fetched. It was what I'm going to, I need a handle. I always have a toucan and I'm a dad. So tube daddy it is. People always oh, ask wow. me, oh, what's the meaning? I'm like, that's really it. I didn't, I didn't really, I really didn't think further than that. My wife on, t- on, on social media is housecoat mommy because she always wear a housecoat. That's it. <laughs> so it's, wow. it's, so it's, it's very, it's very simple and authentic. And I think people can relate to that. Oh yeah. So it, it looks like it's pretty original. And, and, and I think, I think, yeah, that's relate relatability is what makes us human, right? Like it's social media, yeah. like, it's it's not like a, what we used to have being the movies or like like big stars and stuff like that it's just relatable yeah. people that we want we we're daily so i, I want to ask what has changed when like it seems like emotionally everything has changed because you you have evolved like from your wife and and things like that what else have changed when you when you have this following on tiktok that people say people talk to you and people that you never met in your life are saying things what are o- other things that have changed because you have that the, growing following the exposure is just insane i'll alfred that does the first thing i'll say like there's one of my favorite comedians on instagram who follows me and now it seems like if i send him a message he'll reply right away he's verified hollywood all of that you know there's people there's very famous people celebrities that have reached out to me who follow me so from the exposure standpoint, it seems like I live in a different world now because, you know, when like there's, you know, stars from, you know, the show Powers who, you know, they follow me religiously, they're people like this. It's just odd to say it's weird, but it's like, to me, it's like I now I almost feel like connected to these worlds that seem untouchable to normal people. It's you know, it's you know, it's I feel like I feel like you know I like to me, through me, I want people to see like this is actually possible. Like, you know what I mean? Like I feel like that's 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 okay, Chase, get back. You're done. Get back. Go to bed. Oh, sorry about that. It's too clingy, but yeah, um, it it that is different. Definitely a weird feeling, like to know that there are celebrities watching my videos, like and knowing who I am. 
just as much as I know who they are. To me, that's insane. Um, but then the opportunities, of course, uh, you know, uh, exposures, exposure, we, you know, today, you know, exposure is currency. So it brings a lot of, you know, different opportunities, um, different things like that, uh, that, you know, like I said, it seems, it seems very, one of my favorite quotes, uh, it's from Jim Carrey, and he says that people never dare to ask the universe because what they want seems so incredibly out of reach that they never actually ask for the universe. But I'm pr the proof that you can ask for your, the universe and the universe is going to listen. And to me, that's how I feel right now. I feel like the moment, like you said, a lot of people like, see this video and like it's from Moncton and you're like yeah and to me this means more than what I'm actually doing on like on the video because this means somebody here in Moncton believes now they can do it too and I love that yeah I, I love right? that too I mean I, I mean I think it's a it's a it's a quite to be honest with you I I am more impressed that that was able like you weren't you had issues with the house and your wife and stuff and this app is able to you to bring closer to your family and your and and your relationship yeah. for me that's that's the amazing part that that made you closer and everything else is gravy right like it like you have followers everything and everything. else is gravy everything else is gravy like like you said this and and i have this conversation often with people but this this is the biggest takeaway for me is that it helped me with my relationship. That's the, and I think this is why I started going viral is because everything I was trying every day, like, you know, there's that on TikTok, if you say you're going to post 30 days and you stop at day seven, your entire audience is going to be on your ass. Where is day eight? So there's a level of accountability there that I learned as well. I can't just stop at day seven with my wife because at day eight, she's going to ask me, where is my hug? I have to go through the 30 days and see it through and see the change. And so it's like now I was using an app to, to keep myself accountable. Because I, I was also telling myself, if I go, for 30 days and my only thing is to have a compilation and at the end like if i want to stop at day 15 nobody will ever know that i started doing that thing and i wanted to, to make a compilation of 30 days i can keep it in my vault and nobody will ever know she won't know nobody will ever know i don't have to be accountable to nobody but the moment i posted day one and it went viral People wanted to see the 29 other days. That kept me accountable, not only to my following, but to my wife. Because I had, like, this gave me a realization. I had the power to fix this. All it took is 30 days of hug. I had the power, but sometimes life lessons, they come, you know, I'm, I'm a believer, so. I believe that God speaks to you in, in mysterious ways and he moves in mysterious ways. 
it was just TikTok for me. Um, yeah, that's no, it's, it's, every, it, it, everything it, it, else it, it, is it, gravy, but that's to me, that's that. It, and it teaches TikTok to, to this day. Most of what I know, like on about like marketing and stuff like that, like which I'm, I became really, really good at. I learned it through social media, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, following people, posting content. So it was to me, I never took TikTok just as, you know, once I understood it wasn't a kid app, it wasn't just a kid's app where kids were just dancing. I stopped viewing it as the kid's app, app where people were just dancing. It's a social media platform full force right and social media platform people socialize people want to be social people want to do this people want to, and he came in also at a great time where we were a few months in, within the pandemic and i think it's, it's something that i can't we can't this you know we can't disregard everybody was home on their phones um <clears throat> so that's i don't i can't say if that would have made a difference today because i see today that in one week i gained two two hundred thousand followers with one video so i don't really know but based on what happened i know that the fact that people were home and i was able to because people told me yeah timing is a timing was amazing people were struggling with mental health after those first few months of lockdown People were struggling. So I was kind of a breath, like a breath of fresh air to a lot of people where you see a tall black man who looks like he should be strong, but he's kind of goofy and he's kind of funny and he's kind of uplifting and he's kind of telling the truth and he's kind of not mashing his words and he's telling you, he's not telling you what you want to hear. He's telling you the truth. You don't feel good. It's okay. You'll, tomorrow is another day. You might not feel good tomorrow, and that's okay too. That's the type of thing yeah. I tell people, you know, because it's like I heard somebody said, Imagine if you go to the gym and you go on a bench press, and somebody puts two 45 plates on each side of the bar, and they tell you hold the bar for 24 hours. It doesn't matter how strong you are, you're not going to make it. There's no I, such I, I, record. So uh, there's, there, there's a limit to everybody's strength. And that's a great lesson to know. There's a limit to your strength. And it's, that, it's, it doesn't mean that you're not strong. But there's such thing as gravity, for example. <laughs> there's such thing as 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 you know stamina for example so it's not because you're big and strong that you're going to have great stamina it's not because you're not big and strong that you're not going to be able to hold the bar longer than somebody that's big and strong there's so much so many things that come into play when it comes when it, it comes to life that you know that's what I tell people. It's okay. Live your life. Be happy. Sometimes you're gonna have some good day. You're gonna have some bad day. Sometimes you wanna you're gonna wanna smack your kids in the face because who the hell they think they are to talk about you like that, to talk to you like that. And there's some days 
you want to go, you're going to want to cry because, oh my God, they just took their first step. It's life. What I tell people is the reason you should understand it's life is because there is a day and there is night. There wouldn't be day without night. We wouldn't know light without dark. Everything comes in opposite. You wouldn't know pleasure if it wasn't for the opposite of pleasure. You, so to me, that's just how I, and you know, I've really started to master this mindset in the last two years. Life is life. And in most cases, it's really hard. No, it is. It it is definitely a way of mine, and I think I think I mean I gotta congratulate you, man. I think it's a it's amazing it, that that you've been able to to kind of rediscover yourself by by this yeah. app and rediscover your life. So I mean, I definitely I, we could talk hours around this because this is this is just fascinating. But I, uh, I mean, <laughs> if anybody wants to find you, where do they find you at? Took Daddy on every social platform, T-U-Q-U-E, and then Daddy. Uh, and uh, for all my other stuff, it's either Took Daddy or The Cool Broker. So you can't make it sim more simple than that. Like, I keep things simple. It's Took Daddy or The Cool Broker. If they're looking for my wife, it's Household Money. Or just look for my real name, Jonathan Combine. I'm sure you'll be able to find me somewhere. Uh, no, like I said, it's, it's, it's interesting because somebody asked me the other day, a friend who works at the, uh, at the store next door, asked me, do people know you here? Like, do people stop you in the street? I'm like, no, not here. People don't know me here. Or people know me as the guy who went, they went to high school with, to high school with, until I pull out my phone and they're like, you have how many followers? I'm like, yeah, I have over half a million followers. And the most, the most amazing part to me, and I, like I was saying that yesterday, I, I was never, I never look for validation, but I'll, I have almost 17 million likes uh, on my platform on TikTok. And this means the world to me to know. I grew up a Will Smith fan. Will Smith has to be one of my favorite guy in the world. And I aspire to be like him, to entertain like him, to be to be loved like him. And today, I kind of see I can I'm able to see a fraction of that, a very very small fraction. And this is just, just I'm just very grateful for it, uh, wherever it is. Because to me, you know, my mom's always telling me, just do the right thing. You're gonna inspire somebody. And if I'm able to do that, then that I'm very grateful. And it looks like I've been able to do it for the past two years. I'm not looking to, to stop anytime soon. So to Daddy on all platforms, the cool broker. Um, those those are the handle I go by. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, Jonathan, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Uh, to Daddy has six hundred thousand followers on TikTok, eleven thousand point five on Instagram, and it just yeah. keeps growing. All, all the success for you. And again, guys, if you uh, want to see it, just uh, get up on Black in the Maritimes and social media, Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter. And yeah, like us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Peace.